Blog Talk Radio. Mysteries from Sunbury Press on the BookSpeak Network. Co-host Sherry Host is on vacation, so this is Joan West uh, talking to you from um, the podcast. Our mystery and suspense novels are under the Milford House imprint. I'm Joan West, and I write the Carlisle Crime Cases, featuring homicide detectives Christopher Snow and Aaron McCoy. So far, there are four out, Dying for Vengeance, Courting Doubt and Darkness, Darkness at First Light, and Had a Dying Fall. My latest book, Things Strangled, Another McCoy Snow Adventure, will be released in the fall of 2018, I hope. Today on Milford House Mysteries, we're pleased to have mystery suspense writer, author, professor emeritus of dramatic arts at University of Connecticut, Shelley Fromm. A man who wears many hats, professor, author, both of fiction and nonfiction, a film columnist for Southern Writers Magazine, and screenwriter who now lives in Black Mountain, North Carolina. We're going to discuss the professor's mystery novels, Murder Run, Tinseltown Riff, Twilight of the Drifter, to name a few, and spotlight his yet-to-be-released new mystery, Moon Games, with Miranda Davis. Welcome to Milford House Mysteries, Professor Fromm. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start Thank by getting you for welcoming me. Oh, sure. Let's start <laughs> by doing getting some background information about your books. Are they standalones? Yeah, they they just sort of come to me. I I don't I don't start out to to write them. They just sort of come to me, and I I get haunted. And then I think there was uh, there was a professor in the Midwest once who said that the best way to write is to try not to write. Then if you wake up screaming, damn it, okay, all right, I have to do this, then then you're ready to begin. You don't have to believe that. I just read that, and I thought that was interesting. Uh, well, that's, that's an interesting way to put it, isn't it? Yeah, cause, uh, because once I start out and, and I know where it's going, then I don't want to write it anymore. There was, uh, do you remember Edward Albee, who wrote, uh, who's mm-hmm. afraid of Virginia Woolf? Remember him? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had he had it all mapped out. I I saw him up at, in Gainesville at the University of Florida. There were a couple of us sitting there, and um, he said he had it all mapped out exactly where this play was going to go. And and Martha, the two characters, George and Martha, talked to him in his ear, and they said, if you don't back off and leave us alone. We're not going to appear anymore, and you've got no play and no movie. So either shut up and leave us alone or forget about it. Now, isn't that interesting how characters take on a life of their own? Yeah, because so, that, that, that's what I know it's working. Mm-hmm. Why don't you start with telling us a little bit about uh, Murder Run when uh, I think it's Jed Cooper. Uh, he's a handyman, and he finds his choreographer. Or his yeah, client. The, 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 it was, um, 
Well, this is actually, I don't want to get too serious, but but it, it really started with my wife's passing away, who was in the middle of the night right before Christmas, who was a choreographer, and I and uh, I just couldn't deal with it because there's no reason for her to pass away. So my, do- my doctor said, well, why don't you change the whole thing and and translate it or transcribe it into a murder mystery? And uh, I couldn't be part of it because I was too close to it. So I sent a character like James Dean out there, and I had him, <laughs> I had him take over, and, and then all of a sudden... All of a sudden, the world started to make some kind of sense, where it was what happened didn't make any sense, and it became a whole, uh, it became a whole murder mystery that that took him from he's a farm boy from Indiana, and James Dean was a farm boy from Indiana, and then to the big city, to New York, and the uh, Litchfield Hills, where I was living at the time, where I was teaching at the University of Connecticut and Miami Lakes and back, and uh, and it took something like 81,000 words to work this whole thing out, and I thought, wow, that's really neat, because unlike life, this this actually worked out. Well, that's anyway, good. Anyway, that's, that's what I was told. Uh-huh. And you don't it have to listen to me. You can look at the reviews. There are 29 reviews on Amazon. And then tell uh, me what I you looked think. up uh I looked up um your website and there are the whole a whole lot of uh reviews on there too and they're all very positive and one of them said that you um um uh, have a southern flair. Um so I was going to ask you about that but <laughs> how, does one, a, uh, how does a Yankee get a southern flair? Well, I used to be an actor, so so once I get immersed, the, the place affects me. So once um, once I'm in this this atmosphere, it's re- and it's real life too, because I was in Mississippi at the time, and um, and being in that atmosphere, I, I remember I was in the Delta once, and I said, "Well, I'm I'm doing a book on um, on the Civil War," and she said, "You mean the War of Yankee Aggression, don't you, boy?" And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, the sun done fried my brains. I don't know why I came out with that. I'll never say that again. <laughs> so, so I just got into this world, and I, and I, you know, and, and as an actor, and I've been in plays where I played southern characters too. So, mm-hmm. so I, I just get into that rhythm, and then, uh, then it becomes real for me. Oh, Does that make no, any sense? I don't know how. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like like in Murder Run, uh, I was writing that, and I was in Little Italy, and I was walking up and down New York, my old haunts, and all of a sudden I start hearing this this sweet, wonderful accent, you know, again, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I I want some chocolate, and I want some coffee, and and I don't know, it's my theory. I think that's where the New York accent came from, because if you just Ask for a cup of coffee. No one's going to serve you because there are all these people competing. But if you say coffee, it hurts. It goes right through your spinal column, and you twitch, and you will probably get served. You don't have to believe this. This is just my theory. Well, no, I've been to New York, and I've had to jostle through the crowds, too. Well, last time I was there, I ate at Junior's. Had the best sandwich I've ever had. It was a pastrami and Rubens. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And my old, my, and in fact, uh, my old pal Joan Rivers, who real na- whose real name is Joan Malinsky, had the the same accent. 
And the uh, last time I saw her, I gave her my book on the actor's studio, and she gave me her book, and guess what it was called? I Hate Everybody. I Hate Everybody. Oh. Yeah. Because, oh. you know, that was her. And I, and I said, mm-hmm. uh, I said, Joan, I said, this is really interesting. You're a native New Yorker, and uh, your real name is Bolinsky, and our agent was a Native American by the name of Tony Rivers, and you stole his name. What did he think about that? And she said, he hates me, hates my guts. And then oh. she gave me her book. <laughs> and that same, that? Wonderful, that same oh. wonderful sweet accent. Mm-hmm. And what about Tinseltown Riff? Is it really a tour de force of, uh, about Hollywood? Yeah, that, it's, it's sort of funny, but this all ties together. Again, I when I saw saw Joan, I I just didn't know what I was going to do, what I was going to write about, and all that. And and she and all these other people told me I couldn't be an actor because it was my calling, and I was just too close to it. So so I moved this character by name of uh, Ben. I moved the whole thing to L.A. And I took it from there, and I kind of wondered, what if I had stuck it out? But I, cha- I changed it because he wants to be a screenwriter. But, I, but it was the same age that I was at. And I, and I kind of wondered, what would happen if I stuck it out? And that's, that's where Tinseltown Rift came from. But again, of course, uh, there I was in L.A., and I've been there lots of times before, and I have relatives there. And I couldn't find anybody who wasn't writing a screenplay. People in the cabs, people, people behind the desk at the Avalon Hotel. Everybody's writing a screenplay, so that's where that came from. And then I, I worked through the whole thing by writing the novel and to see what would happen to Ben if he did try to stick it out. And that's where that adventure came from. And so, without giving away any of the good parts, how would you summarize it? Oh, how would I summarize it? It's it's about a character who's come to this crux in his life. Uh, this is this doesn't sound too great, but there's some sort of a law in, or rule in L.A. that if you haven't made it by the time you're 26 or 27, your life is over. And I know this is sad, but there are people that have actually drowned themselves, have gone off in Malibu and drowned themselves because they were approaching their 27th age, you know, guys and their, and their girlfriends, because it's all over. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, the the producers, the directors, a lot of them are all very, very young, and oh, this is getting sad, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's that's what it was about. It's, it's sort of like a last chance to see what happens if you put everything you've got into it and see if you can make it. And there are all of these characters that are, there's a, there's, what is his name? There's a, there's a um, police detective, an undercover detective, and and he's from, uh, he's Mexican, and I have all of these wonderful characters that that I met when I was, or people that I was around when I was in L.A. And again, it's, it's the place, that ambience started working on me, and that's where the novel came from. Can you follow I'm that so, at all? I'm trying. Yes, I do. I'm trying I do because, real hard. Yeah, because setting actually can be a character. 
because if you put your characters, you know, in that particular setting and then they start, they're so comfortable and they start reacting, uh, you know, with one another, then you, the book will write itself practically. Oh, yes. At least that's been my experience. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because uh, it all it all changes if you're if you're sitting in the lying around in the Malabi Desert. It feels different than if you were down to the main streets in New York. You go along with that. Mm-hmm. And then I go down the mean streets in Carlisle. And that's why they're called the Carlisle Crime Cases. But let's get back to um, maybe we need to highlight uh, Miranda Davis a bit. And uh, maybe you could tell us how Moon Games, uh, how you, how the realtor stumbles on uh, um, a murder in that particular book. Yeah, well, that, that's the latest one. I, I had a realtor, and and she was kind of wild, and and she told me once that she jumped in a river around here, and and uh, and she almost drowned, and I thought. Gee, that's pretty wild. Somebody that intrepid would just jump in a river, and just to see what it's like. And I, and I thought, well, if I had a character that was that intrepid, wouldn't that be neat? Wouldn't that be a, a great protagonist to uh, to to drive this novel? And I thought, well, if there was a little girl that was crying on the other bank or something, that would give her some reason to jump in the river. And I start coming up with reasons for all this and. And for some reason, when I first came here, it was around Halloween, and there, there's some there's some kind of do down downtown in Black Mountain and Halloween on Church Street, and at night, and I looked down Church Street, and all the demon spirits were coming toward me, and I said, Isn't Oh that no! Wild? The demon How? spirits have taken over Church Street. Isn't that wild? Yes, and it then, is. But, um, Halloween is very popular in the South. Yeah, and then then all of a sudden this guy came toward me, and he looked like he looked like Rasputin, or what I imagine Rasputin would would look like. And he had this black fur hat and black beard and everything. And he was about six foot eight, and he said, "Want me to tell your fortune, huh?" Wow. <laughs> <laughs> And, and all these characters started to appear, and they're, it's just a very colorful town. They're all kinds of interesting people, but I didn't know that. They're just everywhere, mm-hmm. and uh, and all all of these links. I don't know if you can follow this, but all of a sudden, if I leave it alone, these links seem to come out of nowhere, and they all seem to fit. And I just follow where these links are are taking me. And uh, there's a whole part in there all about tarot cards and. And uh, and let's see. There's supposed to be a time when the sins of the past have come due. Dun, da, 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 da. <sighs> Through the pit, narrow oh, it, sounds, it sounds rather gothic. Yeah. And uh, do, do, you, do you have the cover in front of you? I thought I sent you a picture. Yes, of the it's cover. a beautiful cover. Uh, you yes, know, that's actually here. Black Mountain. That's actually uh, oh. that was actually a picture I, I took. A photograph I took right around Lake Tomahawk at night, and doesn't it look kind of spooky? It does. Yeah, it looks very spooky. And and things are supposed to happen around the witching hour, and that's why it's called Moon Games. And then there's, and now there's a very thin line between reality 
and the occult, and you don't know which one's going to take over. And when when is Moon Game supposed to be released? uh, In a couple of months, I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess uh, pretty soon. Ask your buddy Lawrence. Ask him. (laughs) But, I will. Oh no, I'll just I'll just keep looking for it on yeah, press yeah. on their site. Yeah. yeah. So all that all that uh, sort of started to come together, and then I had to work this thing out because I have these two forces going against each other. I have Miranda, who's sort of kidding around all the time, and then the tarot cards and uh, and and the occult and all that, and these forces are going against each other. Then I have. And another thing happened. I don't know if you can follow this, but it all it all fits together. I was I was interviewing this woman from a place from a, a sort of a what do you what do you call places where where you retire assistant living? That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And she started yeah, and she started talking to me about this wild time she had in Havana, and then she clammed up and she wouldn't tell me what happened, and I thought ah. Oh, this church lady has some deep dark secret and she's oh. getting these tarot cards under under her door and this all is going to have to come to something and what is this church lady hiding again it's you know i just started getting intrigued and when i get intrigued then i'm on my way but if i have to start cranking this thing out i i don't want to do it anymore i'd rather do <laughs> i'd rather else. watch a great i'd rather watch a, a british mystery or take my dog Baxter who's a golden doodle I'd rather take him for a walk so once I get hooked it it pulls me in and then I hope the reader will get pulled in too well yeah that's that's what we want as writers isn't it we want to hook the reader yeah but there there are some writers you know who crank these things out They they have one after another after another and they they just keep cranking them out, and uh, that's another and so, way to go, I guess. You know, they I have guess, sort of a formula. They have a sort of a formula. Yeah, I and, don't uh, agree with formulas. I, I believe you follow uh, the clues and follow the characters and follow your intuition, and then let it takes it where it leads you. Yeah, well, there's a person named Lee Child who doesn't agree with you. He writes the Jack Reacher series, mm-hmm. and he. And he's a dad man from London, and he's got this all worked out, how he can keep cranking these things out. And uh, he makes sure that nothing happens to Jack Reacher, that he's always the same. He doesn't grow. He doesn't have any fears or trepidations. It's the same, it's the same guy and people. <laughs> and that's yeah. fine. Bless, yeah. bless him. But I, yeah. I just can't work I'm- that way. No, me either. I'm surprised some readers haven't figured out the formula. I get tired of formulaic writing. Yeah. But you also write you also write nonfiction. You want to tell us how you, that you jump from fiction to nonfiction, or does that just ha- by happenstance or design? Well, um, well, while I was teaching at the University of Connecticut, I was teaching playwriting and screenwriting and. Uh, and I actually did my thesis at the Actors Studio. So there was a show on called Inside the Actors Studio. Did you ever hear of that? Absolutely. I watched it. Yeah, and it should be called Nowhere Near the Actors Studio or the James <laughs> Lipton the James Lipton talk show because there's no reason in the world why he would even be 
allowed inside the real actor's studio. So that got me all upset because, again, I did my thesis at the actor's studio. So I was trying to figure out where it all went wrong. So I traced that, and I interviewed all these people like Estelle Parsons. Remember her? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes. Yeah, and uh, Rip Torn and, and all of these people, and I and I interviewed them, and I and I wanted to get back into the real actor's studio because because when I was there, uh, they you, they had auditions, and out of a thousand people, they would pick maybe two or four. I passed the first audition, but I flunked the second one because I was trying to imitate James Dean, and they already had James Dean. But now they have now this person I met, James Lipton, uh, said, "I know what we could do. Um, we won't go inside the actor studio. We'll go down to the new school for social research, and we'll, we'll pretend it's the actor studio. And instead of having auditions for a thousand people, uh, all you have to do is give us so much money, and you can take classes here." And at the end of three years after we made all this money, uh, we'll give you a little certificate, which has nothing to do with the real actor's studio at all. So I got, <laughs> and that's where that came from. I got all upset over that after a while. And uh, and I wrote this book called The Actor's Studio, studio. and it <laughs> takes you inside the real actor's studio, and it takes you to the group theater, and it goes all the way back to the, the Moscow Art Theater. Did you ever hear of that? No. Well, that's okay. That's, that was in Russia. And oh. I tried to follow it all the way through, and I interviewed all these people to try to come to terms with... Uh, and because I actually met James Lipton, and he's even he's even more awful in person than he, than he is on the show. <laughs> and, uh, and you can mention anybody. You can mention the Pope, and he would say... Oh, the Pope and I go way back. We're buddies. Did you ever see the show? He he knows everybody, but his only claim to fame was that he played a doctor in a soap opera. Well, I think he's probably. I, I hope uh, I'm not more upsetting in- you. But, no, but, no. Uh, I think he's probably more of an interviewer. Because William William Goldman once said that the best way to write is through revenge, <laughs> and this was my revenge to tell the real story of the actor's studio. Yes, well, that's one of the reasons that instigate writers to write is revenge or to tell someone's history or to maybe answer a question that they have. So, And different writers you know, have different approaches. You haven't mentioned Sundance for Andy Horn or Lilac Moon. Did you want to say anything about them? Yeah, that, uh, that, that came about because it was original, Sundance Randy Horn was originally a play, and, uh, and it's really a Lakota vision quest, and I just felt stuck with the play because I, I'm just, uh, all that happened was happening on stage, and I wanted to open it up. I wanted to get to the Black Hills and open the whole thing up, and that's how I got into novel writing in the first place because... Uh, I just see things cinematically because I taught film too, and I, I'm just, and I'm big film buff. So, so by opening it up, I uh, the whole thing expanded, and, and for me it became kind of wonderful. So that's one, and then mm-hmm. and um, what did Lilac, Lilac Moon? Yeah, Lilac, Lilac Moon came came about. 
what caused that? I'm, I'm, I'm going all the way back. What caused Lilac Moon? I think, I think it was because of these two friends who were separated who I knew. And one was in a coma. That's what it was. She was in a coma. And I was mm-hmm. trying to figure out uh, how she got that way. And her friend had to solve this problem because she was thrown down a well. And this even, this even connects because I saw my, one of the first mysteries I've ever read, read was written by P.D. James, which is called No Job for a Woman. Did you ever read that? Yes, I did. And, uh, That's my favorite. And I, That's my favorite. Yeah, and uh, and and of course I love P.D. James because she starts with the place, and, and if it isn't for the place, she said she can't write. So the place generates everything that she's ever written. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of intrigued me that someone fell down this well and she was in a coma, and and her friend was going to have to solve this mystery. And there's another moon there. Good grief. And it's called Lilac Moon. That Lilac was, Moon, that, right. That was a while back. This is all starting mm-hmm. to make some kind of sense. Mm-hmm. Which is, <laughs> it's which, a which is good sometimes. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're uh, almost running out of time already. So is there anything oh. you, else you would like to share with our audience? Something maybe we haven't talked about? Uh, do you have. Well, we, uh, we've sort of touched on it, but everyone who reads my. Uh, Novels say that it's like watching a movie, which I think is kind of nice, because mm-hmm. I I see all these images unfolding in in front of me, and and I don't I don't know I I think uh, I I think it's kind of neat if you pick up a novel and you're carried away and you can see it like a film, too. I think that might be kind of an interesting experience. Anyway, that made me feel good when they told me that. And they're still telling me that, and if they stop telling me that, maybe I'll have to look for some other profession. <laughs> so in the meantime, you'll keep on writing. Yeah, because I've got I'm I'm working on two other ones. That are, well, actually, it's another one. That, ta, 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 ta. I haven't had any math since the tenth grade. Just give me a second. Okay, there's uh, Moon Games is coming out. There's another novel that's coming out a little bit after that, and then there's one I'm working on. So that's that's three, right? There's one mm-hmm. almost, one's of getting close, and one is in the throes of being written right now. And I'm on, I think I'm up to uh, sixty-two thousand words right now. Okay, so we want to tell our listeners that they want to look for the newest, which will be out in a month or so, Moon Games. Right. Or if they haven't read you, then they can start with Murder Run or Tinseltown Riff or Twilight of the Drifter, right? Right. And then they can okay. write to you, and if they write something nice, you'll let me know. And of if, course. And if, they don't, and if they don't write something nice, you'll, you'll break it to me gently, because then I, I'll start whimpering, which, which is really kind of sad. Oh, <laughs> well, we're out of time, so I want to thank you for coming on our show and sharing your experiences with you. It's been very interesting, and I am sure going to pick up one of your novels. Um, oh, great, and I'll pick up one of yours. Well, thank you. Um, so until we see, uh, I want to thank all the listeners, too, again, for tuning in and listening to our program. And um, Sherry, since Sherry's on vacation, and I know she has a website. I think it's www.sherrynolton.com. And I'm on Facebook 
and uh, on uh, Carlisle Crime Cases by J.M. West, backslash, um, well, the Carlisle Crime Cases, that's that's the, the name of it. And my um, website is being is under construction at the moment. So thank you all, and thank you, Professor Frome, for turning, tuning in and uh, sharing your experiences with us. And with that, we're going to uh, say goodbye. Uh, until next time, which will be the July, the first Thursday in July 5th, I believe, and we were going to talk uh, to author Maddie Dalrymple. So thank you for joining us, and goodbye. And until next time. just say good night. Yeah. Good night and goodbye. Goodbye. And thank you again for joining us. And thanks for being nice. Okay. Say hi, say hi to Bye-bye. Lawrence. All right, okay. will do. See you soon. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.